DiscerningHearts.com presents St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Father Haggerty is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who serves at St. Patrick's Cathedral. He taught moral theology and worked as a spiritual director in seminaries for 20 years. He has directed numerous yearly retreats for the missionaries of charity. He's the author of Contemplative Provocations, The Contemplative Hunger, Conversion, Contemplative Enigmas, and St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the book on which this series is based. St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Haggerty, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you, Chris, for having me. The topic that we're going to talk about today is that section in St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, Purification of the Will for Love Alone. And of course, my heart went, yes, this is great. Now that we've gotten through the aesthetic portions of it, now I'm Yes, I want, you know, to be able to love the Lord and and love is great. But as I began to read it more with John of the Cross, I started getting just a, a tad confused, not because of what you read, but how he presents the the topic that we need to be able to focus on what God wants us to love, in essence, and not necessarily what we want to love. Does that make sense? Surely, and uh, and Chris, maybe it's good to be um, you know conscious and recall that John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila, and I think the saints in general, are going to tell us that you know sanctity, union with God, you know the goal of our lives in this life is to become more and more one with God. But what does that really mean? but to become more and more one in our will with the will of God. So that effort, you know, over time, the gospel will say it also, you know, when Jesus was with Martha and Mary, we're all familiar with that beautiful scene. He's at their home and Martha is in the kitchen, you know, doing the work, cooking. And Mary of Bethany is at his feet listening to Jesus speak. And then Martha asks for help, you know, can't my sister help me also? And Jesus has that great phrase, you know, there is one thing needful. That's a phrase that St. Augustine loved, and it's a great phrase. There's one thing needful. She has chosen the better part. And it's not just to listen, you know, very nicely and great comfort at the feet of Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? But the, the great one thing needful is to give ourselves in will, in our whole being, you know, to God, to be very surrendered before God. So John of the Cross is, you know, one of his essential teachings is that that is going to, I don't say determine, but that's going to affect very much the interior life of prayer and everything else in our lives, how, how we are giving ourselves in will to the will of God. And much of, you know, what we talked about last time in the ascetical life, as he goes on in the life of interior life of prayer, the many surrenders we have to make, they're all touching on the will. 
So this chapter entitled Purification of the Will for Love Alone, that's really the great effort of life, to live a life for love. And that's our, you know, that's our past throughout life. The taming of the will, our will, to be able to be oriented toward his will for us, especially for lay people who live in a world where there are so many different things coming at us. And we don't necessarily have the structure of those in religious life, especially those who are in cloisters or in monasteries. It can be quite the challenge, can it? Well, surely. And the uh, the manner in which we have many you know opportunities in a day to choose things without a thought of God, you know, no no uh, you know no moment of recollection, or we just you know choosing, and they're not necessarily bad choices especially if we live in the world, as I do also as a priest, there are many things that can be done, not in a way, you know, opposing God, but uh, just forgetful of God. And the advantage, you know, we would think if people are in that quiet of a monastery or cloister, they can have a certain recollection then of an effort to choose to please, you know, God in in their choices and in their will, you know, to do things for the motive of pleasing God. And we probably, I think at some point in in our conversations, Chris, I mentioned that great statement of Jesus in chapter eight of John's gospel, it's verse 31 or 32, where Jesus will say, he has never left me alone, speaking of his father, he has never left me alone because I do always what pleases him. And that's a beautiful phrase also for our own lives. He will never leave us alone. He will be in companionship in a mysterious way with our lives when that great motive is more and more rooted in our life. I, I want to do things that will please you in everything. Again, I keep going back to discernment, but it's trying to discern what it is that is going to truly please God in his will for our lives and what we mistake as a good. You go back to what you've exampled in Martha and Mary, that Martha, she felt she was doing a good by a service to the Lord, or at least it seems that to us as we read the story, but there was something missing because she was making choices of her own accord. I mean, the way I would look at that is maybe Martha was doing the will of God in the kitchen. And that's, that was her, you know, that was pleasing to God in itself. The difficulty is then when we maybe you know, we have right before us, what can be pleasing to God, but we might, and as in that example, you know, be, I'm not sure we call her jealous or a little resentful of Mary not helping. And also, you know, she's maybe a little frazzled by all she has to do there in the kitchen. Sometimes we get thrown off the track when we're really right in the position of pleasing God. I mean, I think it's also good to be aware there are smaller things, but to be faithful to the will of God in the great choices of life, you know, faithfulness in a vocation, you know, if you're faithful in a marriage, you know, and not just 
not committing sins against the marriage, but really being faithful each day to, you know, loving one's spouse, you know, being a good mother or father to one's children, you know, placing that as a very serious part of one's life, what's there in one's vocation, that giving of oneself to the will of God is, is, you know, that's walking the road then into some degree of holiness then in life. Part of what we have to be careful of is also doing things that are excessive in bringing us pleasure or fostering a sense of joy in our hearts. And I'm trying to be very sensitive about this because joy in itself is not a bad thing, but it's the continual pursuit of those things that can trip us up, can it? Well, I'm not sure, Chris. I would say that the question is more, what is giving a person joy? Mm. And this is what John, St. John of the Cross, I think, is really after in, his, in this kind of question of the will and delight. And St. Thomas Aquinas will also bring this up in the beginning of his, in the Summa Theologia, when he begins to talk about human action and morality. And he begins with a, by asking the question, you know, what is happiness? And that's a serious question for every human person. What is happiness for you? Where do you find joy? And we would never say that if a, let's use the example, I'm thinking of, for instance, a missionaries of charity. My experience of them and, you know, all over the world with them is some of them, not all, but some of them are the happiest people that I have known in my life, despite, you know, difficulties, hardship in their life, some facing, you know, serious suffering at times, but in a, as a group, I've met some, some of the happiest people, most joyful people, and it's not a, a manufactured joy. So there's, it's not a problem of having happiness, contentment, joy. It's where we find that. And I think the reason why people like that are very full of happiness, they're happy to be around the poor, they're happy to be around volunteers, they're happy to be around priests, they're they're happy for the most part to be around each other as a community. And why? Because I think they have crossed some threshold at some point, realizing the ultimate joy and happiness is giving oneself to God. And they have found that. And then in going to the poor, they're finding God in that. They're finding their whole life is given over in a surrender to God. And it's a great happy state to be in. You know, many people, maybe we have less of this now because of religious life having diminished in the church, but the many people perhaps think of, you know, people who go to a cloister or a monastery, live religious life, that must be a hard, burdensome life, and, you know, how heroic they are to take on this difficult life. But actually, many of these people, when they live it well, they're very happy people. They've been released from, you know, a lot of the things that burden us or cling to us that are, you know, causing interior conflict in our own lives. They have found the one thing needful and it carries them in a sense very beautifully forward in life then. It energizes them. Can we 
attain that same type of relationship or union with God if we have things. We haven't committed ourselves or have not been called to that particular religious vocation or to, say, the priesthood or that type of service to the Lord, but our vocation is to be out in the world. Can we still have things? I'm not trying to be so simplistic and be able to have that kind of interior joy. That's a good question, Chris. Uh, I do think, and venturing my opinion, but in my experience, that I think that is a danger, that if we um, are caught up in worldly joys, worldly satisfactions, you know, if we are targeting our pleasures, our joys, our delights in life, in things that are of the material realm, you know, so, you know, there's all kinds of degrees of comfort. And if we don't at some point kind of settle down to, okay, this is enough, this is comfortable, this is fine. If we're looking for something more all the time, then uh, yeah, something will be an impediment to a greater surrender before God. And it may be why that sometimes people do not awaken to the deeper realm of spiritual life while living in the world until some you know, later years in life. Because prior to that, it's not just that we're raising a family or caught up in, in a career and work. But, you know, the worldly things do tear at a person, and it does become difficult. It's not just comforts of going out to eat a lot or things like that, but just that desire for, like you said, desire for things. You know, if we are seeking the satisfaction of things, it might be that the interior life is going to be clogged, you know, somewhat and unable to see you know, really that God is as such a reality as he really is. We'll return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, Go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. 
goes back to what we were talking with the aesthetical life, but in this purification of the will for love alone. And I'm reminded of the holy role of St. Benedict, where the call is you have what you need. Is this what you need? And to really examine that, not to have more to, you know, to be able to make sure that you, you have enough, but it's always what you need. And if I'm not mistaken, Mother Teresa was that in a very real way. As things came in, you made sure you got it out to the poor right away. You didn't try to accumulate things that you were too worried to store up for another day, but use what you have and give and retain only what you need. Yeah, Mother Teresa is, I actually, as you bring her up, I was with Jan Petrie, her, she, Jan Petrie, and her sister, Ann Petrie, did these documentaries on Mother Teresa in the mid-1980s. And they're really very profoundly uh, well-done films on Mother Teresa. The second one includes her funeral. And they had filmed much of uh, Mother Teresa also interviews with her in that mid-1980s period. So Mother Teresa then was in her early 70s to mid-70s. And she's digitalizing you know all of this material to keep it safe for for posterity so i was in her um office where she's keeping all of this downtown manhattan and wanted the this bless so i went down there last week and showed she showed some of the old clips of these interviews with mother Teresa. and i bring this up because mother Teresa at one point will say you know how free we are with our vow of poverty you know, it really does release a person not to have to worry about, you know, things and, and that, that surrender of oneself to, to just, you know, keeping one's uh, possessions at a, in their case, at a very minimal level. You know, it's true for all of us. If we are, I mean, I know I like books. I like, I have great interest in books and, and, I do buy books. My excuse is that can aid in some manner, at least me keeps me busy in my, you know, in the hours that I do have freedom. And it can be beneficial for, you know, the work as a priest. But there could be other things, you know, that priests easily, we can get caught up just as people in the world in material things. And I, I do think that's a danger that we're finding things that, prop us up or in some manner become accessories to our life and then that becomes part of our identity in our own if we look in the mirror we associate that with our identity and that's not really what god sees or what he looks for from our life so the purification of the will is for love alone you know that's a phrase that you know is an examination for all of us to do things that and to try not to get caught by things that are going to limit the life of love in our lives. So if things are for the sake of love, then it's good. If poverty is for love, then that's good. If we're giving away for love, that's good. And, but if it hinders us in the life of love, then that could be, uh, it should be rethought in some manner. You have wrote in the perfection of the will for love alone in the chapter on St. John of the Cross, 
I thought this really powerful, but small sentence, but it, it said the habitual seeking of our own satisfaction has harmful repercussions in spiritual commitments. And that's the habitual seeking of our own satisfaction. Can we say that it's the feeding of our own ego sometimes? The things that bring us, it may not necessarily be a true consolation. It's a self-reliance to kind of feed myself. And I do things out of that. Is that possible, Father? Well, surely, Chris, and you know, we all have that testing in our lives that it's really a question, not only what are we doing, but why are we doing it? What's the motivation behind our actions? And it's very possible, it's very possible as a priest, if I want to speak from my experience, that I can do good things. I could even, I could give a good talk. I could give a well-prepared sermon. And on the other hand, my motivation might be, why am I doing this? I might do it for my own glorification. I might do it for my own vanity. I might want to receive praise. And, you know, those type of things, you know, the the problem of pride in the human nature, which doesn't, you know, as, as the old expression is, you won't have to battle with pride, or you can, you will have to battle with pride until a half hour after you're in the coffin. Mm. And it's, you know, a reality in every life, you know, to try to purify our motives. Why are we doing what we do? And, you know, all of these saints, Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits saying, we must seek to do things for the glory of God. Jesus will say it in the gospel in John. You know, many people are doing things for their own glory rather than for the glory of God to, to live for souls as best as we can. So the, you know, it really comes down to the question in a way, what do we delight in? You know, where do we find our happiness? If we can find it in the things of God, pleasing God, then we're on the right track. You know, I don't think John of the Cross would step into the 21st century here and say, he would not say you can't have any joyful relaxation. He would not say you can't, you know, you should not be doing anything that pleases you, that, that is a a pleasant experience. He wouldn't say that. John of the Cross was very well known for going out into taking friars with him into the natural beauty of the Spanish countryside. And he invited, you know, his friars, go and find a nice place where there's a good, good view or by the river there or by the mountainside and gaze on the beauty of this and then contemplate, you know, the greatness of our creator, God, who is behind this creation. So, you know, relaxation, these things are not problematic. It's more a question of forgetting God. And when we do that, and it's always possible, it's possible to have things, have activities in our life in which perhaps we are becoming more the, the uh, focus of attention rather than God himself. That reminds me so much of a story I heard once of Mother Teresa when she had an opportunity to meet with the Pope, with now St. John Paul II. And she was in Rome and they were traveling, getting set to establish 
a community there or at least a house to help the poor. And this is something that she really wanted. And as they were driving, there was someone on the street that she noticed and needed care. And she had the sisters stop, drop her off, said, I need to deal with this person. And um, they said, but the Pope is waiting. And she said, Christ is waiting. I need to help this person in need. And that response in love, I can't help but think that that brought her joy. If I had the opportunity and the Pope was waiting for me, I'd be all focused on getting to the Vatican. And yet she stops and responds to love with love. Yeah, that story, uh, I may have said it at some point, that's a story that I have used in retreats with the sisters because I heard in a different way, but I heard that story um, from the regional superior in Rome and it took place in Rome. And when Mother Teresa visited Rome, there were always large crowds that quickly started, would come to their convent at San Gregorio because of being Mother Teresa. And when they would have professions, they would pack these churches that are in the outlying region of Rome that were built up after World War II. And on this particular day, they had a large crowd in San Gregorio at the convent. And then on that property, you can be outside the gate and there's still a big crowd there. And then there's a parking lot outside the, the big church of San Gregorio. So they had trouble getting Mother Teresa out to the car because she wanted to greet everyone. She, was, she would always give miraculous medals to each person. And they had a meeting with Pope John Paul II at the Vatican that morning. And so they have trouble getting her to the car. They finally get her in the car. And then Rome traffic is like any city there, and probably worse, they're having trouble getting to the Vatican and stop and go traffic. And Mother Teresa at one point says, stop the car, pull over. And there was a homeless man lying on the street. Now, this is not Calcutta. This is not Kenya or, or you know, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, a homeless man on the street. Mother Teresa got out of the car on the passenger side, went over to this man, and then the regional superior a little nervous now it's getting late and they have a meeting with pope john the paul ii it's like not like a meeting with the dentist and and so this the regional superior went over to mother Teresa, who's, who's leaning down over the man talking to him probably had too much to drink the night before and mother Teresa's talking to him and the regional superior said mother we have to go you know we're late for the meeting with the holy father and Mother Teresa looked up at her and said, Sister, the Holy Father is the vicar of Christ. This is Jesus. And that was her, you know, her focus, you know, her serious, serious focus of seeking Jesus Christ in that distressing disguise of the poorest of the poor. And if you, you know, we go back to our topic here, these kind of things, that's a serious moment perhaps in a certain way, but for sure that was a part of the great delight of Mother Teresa to extend even small things of service, the touch of a hand, the smile, the contact, and larger things, you know, in self-giving one-to-one to poor people. 
So a lot of qu the questions, wh where do we find our delight, our happiness, and how intense is that delight? How consistent, how re repeated are the things that we delight in? You've been listening to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. This series is based on the book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, published by Ignatius Press. Visit ignatius.com to obtain a copy, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty.